0: Desk Chair Detectives. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ally. And you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Oh, a little toot in there. Ha. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> Starting not great. Starting not yes, great. Starting not strong. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> What's up, Ally? You ready to go? Yes, I'm ready. Um, so I try to do something totally different. And once again, change my story. <laughs> um, but I have a good reason because this crime actually happened. Uh, I think it was over 20 years ago. Oh, uh, the night, the evening of St. Patrick's Day into the day after St. Patrick's Day. Oh, very timely. Look at yes. that. Yes, yes, yes okay so here we go so before i really get into it um oh wait i'm reading the wrong thing sorry it's okay you're only human okay. breathing up all put that on the tiktok <laughs> 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 Could you imagine <laughs> Barling, chucky mister shirt um okay so this wow, case, weird, weird vibes right now, guys. What's I know. <laughs> I'm so tired. I just want to take a nap in my shower. <laughs> okay. So I will say when I started researching this case, I really thought I was going to be like fishing for information and it was going to be one of my shorter ones. And then I got into it and it's actually the longest one I've written so far because I think oh. it's just like another thing after another thing after another thing. Like, things are just like connecting. I'm excited yeah so this case is very intriguing as well as puzzling and there's been a recent update that kind of raised some more connections this week I'm going to tell you all about the Gardner Museum heist oh I know nothing about this I love a good heist yeah I was like oh I could switch it up I'll do a different crime <laughs> happy St. Patrick's Day <laughs> all the things Boy. yeah Okay. So before I really get into our story, I'm gonna give you a little background about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum and its founder. Isabella Stewart was she was born in New York City in 1840. She was born into a wealthy family. Her father made his fortune from importing Irish linen and then through like several investments. So like they had money. (laughs) (laughs) What's Um, that like? (laughs) Yeah. Like right from birth. (laughs) um she was privately educated in new york and then she finished school abroad her friend julia gardner eventually introduced isabella to her brother and that would eventually be her future husband um john jack uh gardner jr also she i put this in here because i was like i can't even imagine she married him right before she turned 20 years old
1: (laughs) well don't do that
0: yeah like I, I don't know imagine. what's
1: gonna happen but i just feel like don't do that it's <laughs> just never a good idea <laughs>
0: yeah um so after they got married they moved to his hometown of boston into a beautiful home which was a wedding gift from her dad i'm like this must just be so nice she's like living the life right
1: now <laughs> anyone yes. out there would like to buy me a house
0: would greatly appreciate free. in this economy. Horse <laughs> set me up with their rich brother. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good one. Um a few years later, they had a son, John, who unfortunately died of pneumonia when he was less than two years old. Aww. A few years after that, um, Isabella was like understandably suffering from depression, and her doctor actually told her husband that. In order to help get her out of this depression, maybe they should travel more. So that's what they did. John took his wife throughout Europe. Um, they also went to, I think, oh, the Middle East as well as Asia. She also went. They also went to Egypt. These are also like year-long like expeditions. Wow. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. What year was this? Did you say? So she. They started traveling like the 60s through the 70s. Of the 1800s. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So, they also went to like Egypt. Venice, in particular, was a huge inspiration to Isabella in the creation of her future museum as well. Eventually, she met an intelligent Harvard student, Bernard Barents. Berenson. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <Maybe>. Sure. <laughs> we'll yes. call him BB. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, with funds from the gardeners and others, he actually set off to Italy to go to school and he discovered his love of like italian renaissance paintings same <laughs> and yeah, I know. he eventually did become isabella's chief art advisor and helped her acquire many of the masterpieces in her collection oh is that like a dream job for you guys like no, no oh, okay. absolutely not <laughs> just kidding forget i asked like back then it was probably really fun like i would probably like to do it then not i feel like now it's probably so expensive and difficult
1: (laughs) no i have no i'm a graphic designer but i have no interest in art (laughs)
0: Yeah, you don't have a renaissance painting in your bedroom no (laughs) (laughs) um so her husband suddenly died in 1898 and before he passed away, they had plans to buy a plot of land and start their own museum with all of the art they collected. So despite his death, Isabella pushed forward with these plans and in 1901 began to furnish their museum with like their collection of paintings, sculptures, tapestries, furniture, rare books, and a bunch of other stuff. The museum opened shortly after in 1903. For the rest of her life, she continued to acquire art and update the museum as she saw fit. Upon her passing in 1924, she left $3.6 million to operate the museum and stated in her will that nothing in the gallery should change and no items should be acquired or sold from her collection. Oh, damn. So she's just keeping that forever. Yeah. yeah. So fast forward to the 1980s, the museum became, began running low on funds. The financial strain left the museum in bad shape. They lacked a climate control system and an insurance policy, as well as needing basic building maintenance. In 1982, the FBI uncovered a plot by Boston criminals to rob the museum, and the museum allocated funds to improve its security. So these improvements included 60 infrared motion detectors and a CCTV system, including four cameras placed around the perimeter of the building. They hired more security guards as well. And despite these changes, there still weren't any cameras installed inside the museum. And the only ah. way, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the only way police could be summoned to the premises was by a button at the security desk. Okay. Yeah. So, real secure. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, by, like, if there was like a phone line around somewhere, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could use that. But yeah, <laughs> they tried. Yeah. So both an independent security consultant and a security director at the Museum of Fine Arts determined that the museum was on par with other museums at the time, but could still use improvements. Because of the poor finances at the time, the museum's board of trustees didn't approve any further enhancements. Um, It's also important to note that the security flaws were an open secret among all the security guards. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe some insider burglary. Look, oh, he's burgling. I'm gonna, I'm gonna burgling later. You're going to Burger King? Oh, don't tell a, me. Is that a DoorDash? <laughs> I haven't had Burger King in so long. I don't even know if I like it.
1: I can't continue with your story, and then I'm never talking to you again. <laughs>
0: Okay, and <laughs> um, okay. so now we're going to get into the full story. Around 12.30 a.m. on March 18, 1990, St. Patrick's Day partiers spotted two men around the museum area. The two men were wearing police uniforms, and the witnesses truly believed that they were cops. However, these were clever disguises used to fit into the area. The witnesses described one thief as being around 5'10 in his late, 30s with a medium build while the other was described as being around six feet tall possibly in his early 30s with a heavier build it was also noted that the two men were parked in a hatchback on a side road which was about 100 feet from the museum's side entrance okay Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of detail yeah Yeah. i like it i like it yeah because i was like if i was like trying to keep it all track in my mind like okay yeah. from here to here to here
1: <laughs> i feel like i'm there i feel like i can see their hatchback
0: i can see it's a nice crusty blue <laughs> <a> car wash <laughs> They like some cheap ass cop disguises <laughs> yeah there's a funny part oh like in a few minutes that it's definitely made me laugh out loud um so that night there were two security guards on duty rick abbott who's 23 and randy Hested, Hestand yeah has stand it was 25 rick was a regular night watchman however it was randy's first time on the night shift
1: oh boy randy
0: <laughs> so was there like a st patrick's day party going on yeah so it was yes. like it was like that st pat st patrick's day was like the day before so it's like 12:30 a.m. like in
1: boston right yeah big, big celebration
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. so Museum security policy maintained that one guard patrolled the galleries with a flashlight and a walkie-talkie while the other guard stayed at the security desk. Rick went on patrol first, and during his patrol, fire alarms started sounding off in several rooms. Since he couldn't find any evidence of smoke or fire, he went back to the security room to check the fire alarm control panel. Assuming it was a malfunction, he shut the panel down and went back on patrol. Before finishing his rounds, he stopped at the side entrance of the museum, opened the side door, and shut it again. Rick returned to the security desk around 1 a.m. and then Randy began his rounds. So at about I one... can't
1: tell which one of them is shady yet, but I know which yeah. one of them are.
0: <laughs> so at about 1.20 a.m., the two men drove up to the side entrance, parked, and walked up to the side door. They rang the bell, which connected them to Rick at the security desk. The thieves claimed to be police stopping by to investigate a disturbance and asked to be buzzed in. Rick could see them on the CCTV cameras that had been installed outside. And he believed that they were wearing real police uniforms. So though he was never really aware of any disturbance in the building, he figured since it was St. Patrick's Day, a partier could have hopped the fence and someone saw and reported it. Mm -hmm. Rick let the perpetrators in at 1.24 a.m. Uh-oh. So, yeah, the timeline of this is just like crazy. The two men were let into a locked foyer that separated them from the rest of the museum. They approached the se- security desk and they asked if there was anyone else in the building. So Rick confirmed there was another security guard in the museum and the men asked him to radio him down, which he did. It was This was the part that made me laugh. It was then that Rick realized one of the men was wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> That's what he thought before when I was like some cheap ass, like cop-, cop costumes. I'm like, where's the fake mustache? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's so good. He's like, all
1: right, you guys, we're going to do this. You ready? <laughs> one second. Let me grab my mustache. <laughs> Let me just
0: pick one up at party fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh. Even still, when the other man stated that, Rick looked familiar and there might be a warrant out for his arrest and requested that he come around from the desk and provide him with ID. He complied and did not press the button that would alert real authorities. Oh man, poor guy! Yes, yeah. yeah, so. wait, was he the one where it's his first night on the job or something? Um, it's so confusing because their names are Rick and Randy, so I only had to go back <laughs> and forth. Rick was the regular night um. watchman. So gotcha. he he wasn't naive well i mean i guess we know randy shady yeah but i had to keep in mind i put their ages in because i was like they were only 23 and 25 yeah um, so i was like i remember when i was 23 like i i might not have been thinking properly either it's yeah. also
1: 1:30 in the morning like i'm sure they're tired
0: yeah and they're boys it's easy to get roped into <laughs> shit no offense <laughs> to all the men out there offense to all the men out there yeah <laughs> Um, it was at this point that the thief pushed Rick against the wall and handcuffed him. He was not frisked. At this point, Randy walked into the room and the other thief was able to subdue and handcuff him as well. The thieves then stated their true intentions were to rob the museum and asked that the security guards not give them any problems.
1: At least they were honest.
0: Yeah. After, <laughs> after you handcuffed them, slammed yes. to the wall. Yes. At this point, the intruders Wrapped Rick and Randy's heads in duct tape. The thieves guided the guards to the basement and handcuffed them to a pipe and workbench. They took out their wallets and studied their information, and then explained that now they knew where they lived and they shouldn't be telling authorities anything. But if they didn't, they would be rewarded in a year. What? I don't like that.
1: I don't like the duct tape around the face. That Wait,
0: part, did they duct tape their heads together or no? Just, like, so just put. What? It- <laughs> We don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't like that that's where your mind went. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Like, back to back. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's Could like, you imagine <laughs> doing that? And then they're trying to, like, get them in the basement. Like, Come on, guys, let's go. They're like... <laughs> That's, like, immediately what I imagined. <laughs> I'm going to find you a therapist. <laughs> they, they just duct tape around their, like, whole heads with, like, their eyes covered and mouths covered and everything. Oh, I don't like
1: that. Yeah.
0: Um, so the, what I thought was interesting, too, was that the thieves didn't need directions to find the basement. And it only took them about 15 minutes to, to subdue the guards. Hmm. Yeah, so the thieves movements throughout the museum were recorded on the infrared cameras. Their first footsteps weren't recorded until 13 minutes after they subdued the guards. However, it's believed they might've waited to make sure no real cops were alerted to the situation before they started walking around the museum. Upon entering the Dutch room, so all these um, like galleries have like their own room titles and the first room they entered was called the Dutch room. Okay. the thieves crushed devices that beeped when people got too close to the artwork when they first walked in okay. in the first room they cut four paintings from their frames took an ancient Chinese goo I think that's how you pronounce it it's an ancient I literally typed it in here because I knew one <laughs> of you would ask what it was <laughs> 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 it's like an ancient like ritualistic vessel that like they use for wine and Um, Other like spirits in uh, different dynasties. Wait, so were they just like walking around this museum, just like carrying a whole bunch of shit? So they they cut the paintings out of the frames. So they probably like cut them out and rolled them up because I think it's all canvas, Uh, right? Yeah, I've seen that you can Mm -hmm. just
1: like cut it out.
0: Yeah. What was their? Uh, This is like derailing, but I'm gonna do it anyway. (laughs) What is their goal? Like. I have this real painting that was only able to be seen at the Gardner Museum. Be like, oh, you did it! You have the, the painting. Like, what is now? What? Practices? I think there is practices? like a <laughs> underground oh, world
1: yeah. of like art buying, and it's just like I believe r- it. rich people who just want for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should be don't... a
0: chief art art officer.
1: <laughs> I'm Do not, you not you trying know, to get my head duct taped to the
0: <laughs> boiler. <laughs> duct tape to a boiler was like, <laughs> yeah, no for hours gonna crick in the neck <laughs> i'd be like you want this painting this is what you want
1: come Just on take it. it you don't have yeah, to duct tape me please
0: <laughs> um so there was also a large painting taken off the wall and placed against a cabinet and investigators kind of believe that they were gonna take this one but it was too big to fit in their car their hatchback yeah their little hatchback (laughs) they didn't bring the the big truck with them that's also hilarious (laughs) they show up to a heist in a hatchback (laughs) (laughs) trophies you want to be inconspicuous (laughs) um so while one thief continued in the dutch room for a little bit the other one entered a hallway that was called the short gallery um and then like the other thief eventually joined they tried to remove screws from a frame that displayed uh, a Napoleonic flag. Okay, but, you know that it's like a, a
1: Napoleon.
0: Yeah, that's basically what it is. So it's a flag that I guess was from the time that he was around. And so there was a, they had a flag of it, and it was like attached to a flagpole, like a an old flagpole.
1: I'd rather have that than a painting. I think
0: a flag. If I was going through a museum, picking and choosing. Yeah, what would fit with my decor? Mm. <laughs> um, but they also, like, they eventually gave up on this too because they couldn't, like, detach it. So they just took the this, like, big eagle off the top of the flagpole and left with that. Okay. <laughs> um, they also took five sketches and a further painting from uh, the Blue Room. Interestingly enough, though, there was no footsteps detected in the blue room at all at the time of the robbery and the only ones that were detected that night were from Rick's earlier patrol. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It was like the sensors hmm. broken? So I'll get to that too. Wait, I thought Randy was the sketchy one. No, Rick, Rick was the one that he went on patrol first and like opened the door uh, and then Randy went and they got there when Randy was on his rounds. Ah, uh. Okay, then it is Rick.
1: See, I see you, Rick.
0: <laughs> I see you. I see you. So before leaving, the two men checked on the security guards and asked if they were comfortable. oh how you doing? You need anything? <laughs> a glass of water? Bathroom break? <laughs> can you breathe? <laughs> yeah. Do you need me to poke a little hole for your nose? <laughs> well, one of them is just like chilling, waiting for his time to come, and the other one's probably shit his pants. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um. After this, they went to the security desk and removed the tapes that recorded their entrance on the CCTV cameras, as well as the data printouts from the motion-detecting equipment, but this data was still captured on a hard drive that they didn't know about. Um, the thieves packed up their car with the side door closing for the last time at 2.45 a.m. The entire ordeal only lasted an hour and 20 minutes. Hmm. Wow. They were yeah. in and out. Yeah. I guess they knew which paintings they wanted.
1: In yeah. The facts.
0: So I'm going to get to that as well. <laughs> but when the next shift of guards arrived later that morning, they realized quickly that something was wrong. When they couldn't get in touch with Rick and Randy, they called the security director. After the security director walked in and saw the guards were nowhere to be found and the museum was amiss, they called the police who found the guards still locked up in the basement. In total, there were 13 works stolen and they included The Concert by Vermeer, The Storm on the Sea of Galilee by Rembrandt, A Lady and Gentleman in Black by Rembrandt, Self-Portrait by Rembrandt, Landscape with Obelisk* that could be wrong, by Flink. Flink.
1: Stone it, yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's uh, what it was. Shay Tortoni by Monet, Five Sketches by Degas, the ancient Chinese goo, and a French Imperial Eagle finial. <laughs> and that little oh, hatchback. Yeah. A little clown car. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. Yeah. So, in 1990, the FBI estimated the value of the haul to be $200 million. <gasps> what?
1: <laughs> I bet it was the eagle. The eagle really put it over. The <laughs> you think it's the eagle?
0: Rebecca, what do you think? <laughs> it's the goo. It's, <laughs> it's gotta the be goo. A goo. I hope I'm it. That's what I would take. <laughs> yeah um but the estimate was raised in the year 2000 to 500 million i'm sorry i don't think anything is worth 500 million dollars <laughs> like what yeah all in one place like that wasn't even everything in there
1: <laughs> that's crazy that's why that lady was like don't touch, touch anything, anything.
0: <laughs> God, money's like fake. Like how did how is how is that a thing? How is all of that worth five hundred million? You're getting
1: too deep, Rebecca.
0: <laughs> I'm a conspiracy theorist. This is what I do. <laughs> um, the most expensive artwork stolen was the concert by Vermeer. It was one of only thirty-four of his paintings, which accounts for half the hall's value. In 2015, this painting was estimated at 250 million dollars. For just the one painting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I got some acrylic <laughs> paint
1: in my closet. I'm going to start.
0: You should. You should take up a, a hobby. Maybe you can make some moolah. Get on Etsy. $250 million easy. <laughs> easy. <Yeah. laughs> um. Expert. I got consu- to consult with my chief art officer first. Before <laughs> yeah. we do that. Yeah. Program. You got to make. You got to pull some money in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, experts believe that it's the most valuable stolen object in the world. I thought that was so interesting. Wow. The Storm of the Storm in the Sea of Galilee was the only seascape painted by Rembrandt and has been estimated at 140 million since the robbery.
1: Damn. People really like art.
0: Yep. Not you though. No. <laughs> most <Miss> art <laughs> director.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but if you thought that the works were carefully picked by the most valuable, you'd be totally wrong. <laughs> was it like totally, eh, that one looks pretty good. Let's just take that I've... guy. <laughs> I don't know what the logic was, but <laughs> I'll get into it like that in a second. So the mix of items really puzzled experts. While some of the paintings were clearly valuable, the thieves passed by other artworks by Raphael, Botticelli, and Michelangelo without even touching them. Oof yeah missed this opportunity scream,
1: yeah this just screams a couple of dudes like,
0: I know, like, they, were like some
1: art. Yeah,
0: they were out on st patrick's day and they're like yeah. no, it would be a great Pulgan idea right now <laughs> let me put my mustache on but first mustache <laughs> um so they opted to take relatively valueless items compared to these i guess the goo and the finial they were only estimated to be a few thousand dollars Amazing. Um, I have the two things we picked. Yeah, (laughs) Elite taste. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: They also totally blew off the most expensive. It said the one of one of the most expensive paintings in the museum, um, which was on the third floor. Didn't even touch it.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So as you can assume, there were several people of interest in the initial investigations. The FBI immediately took over because the artwork was likely going to cross state lines. What's crazy about this case is that there was so much lack of physical evidence. There was no footprints or hair found and any fingerprints left on the scene was were inconclusive because they couldn't tell if it was employees, patrons or mm. the thieves. Yeah, it's That's like a really public good place. place, right?
1: Like so many people yeah. come in and out. And-
0: exactly um dna evidence that was tested in the years following seemingly got lost in their files as well i'm sorry (laughs) due to his suspicious behavior on the night of the crimes rick abbott was investigated as a suspect very early on one theory the fbi had was that when rick opened and shut the side door it was a signal to the thieves who had been parked right outside however rick said that he did this regularly to check that the door was locked Another key factor in the case against Rick was that the only footsteps recorded in the blue room that night were his. And upon further investigation, a security consultant deemed that the motion detection devices in the area were all working properly. Huh. Wait, Rick made sure if they so. were, if they were all working. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing yeah. he turned off. So right? he turned off like the fi- he turned off the fire alarms basically okay. because okay. they were going off. So he thought it was a malfunction.
1: Sure.
0: Um, yeah I thought I was, there's like so many little things where I'm like mm, that doesn't make sense Yeah. Case. Um, despite all of this Rick maintained his innocence and an FBI agent investigating the case determined that the guards were too incompetent to commit the crime
1: oh poor Rick and Randy <laughs> I'm that's sure like, Rick
0: is what? like and what reasoning is that
1: that sentence <laughs> is like in history
0: that's on their that, Wikipedia page right <laughs> i'm sure rick is like hell yeah i'm I'm not even connected to this because i'm too incompetent rick's living a long and happy life 20 (laughs) years later yes poor randy though he got his head duct taped and everything oh my god imagine i just imagine taking the eyebrows like all of your facial hair just like and if you had chapped lips oh my god
1: oh that's worse than the bloody milk mustache i think from (laughs) last (laughs) week
0: Any blood around my mouth, keep it away. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, no thanks. Um, no. Another suspect early on in the investigation was Brian McDevitt, a con man from Boston who had actually tried to rob another museum in New York in 1981. He dressed up as a FedEx driver, used handcuffs and duct tape, and planned to steal an artwork by Rembrandt. He was also apparently big in. Into- <laughs> This is like how I typed this. I was <laughs> typing this at like 1 a.m., half on sleep. I I wrote he was also apparently big into fra- into flags. Lol, <laughs> big flag guy, big flag guy. <laughs> That's how I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sighs> big, big into flags, over big here. into flags. <laughs> These connections piqued the FBI's interest, so they ended up interviewing him. He denied any involvement and refused refused to take a polygraph. His fingerprints ended up not matching any found at the museum, and he was eventually let go. Hmm. So powerful crime boss Whitey Bulger was also considered early on in the investigation. He claimed he had not organized the robbery and was actually sending his people out to determine who orchestrated because he considered the museum to be on his turf. Ooh. What yeah. a dork. Kind of life. This is my museum to rob, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Upon the initial investigation into Whitey, the FBI determined he had strong ties to the Boston police, which could explain how the thieves were able to get genuine police uniforms or could have even been real cops. He also had close ties to the Irish Republican Army or the IRA. The FBI stated that tripping the fire alarm was a calling card of the IRA as well. Although the IRA had men in Boston at the time and were fully capable of pulling off the heist, the FBI didn't find any evidence to tie them to the crime. It should also be noted that a retired art antiquities investigator for Scotland Yard believed that Whitey handed the artwork over to the IRA, and they're most likely in Ireland. Ireland. Ooh, interesting. That's and, so interesting. How yeah. does that happen? I'm like, I'm just like, I'm not in the <laughs> art world. I don't know anything. So this is blowing my mind a little bit. Well, we did just get an email that they're gonna they they could uh, put in money f- to pay for classes. So maybe you take some art classes, you'll get adjusted. I guess so. I'm gonna be the next chief art officer. Hey. It's gonna be me. Coming for your job. Watch Michael. out! Watch out! Yeah. <laughs> um. In 1994, four years after the heist, the museum director received an anonymous letter. From someone claiming to be acting as a third-party negotiator between the museum and the thieves. The negotiator explained <laughs> that the artwork. Oh no. <laughs> I <have a> theory. <laughs> <laughs> that the artwork was stolen to reduce a prison sentence. But what? too much time, yeah, but too much time had passed and the offer was now off the table, leading the thieves to want to return the artwork to the museum. Just leave the door open and we'll put everything back. Just leave it in the mailbox.
1: (laughs) No one, turns out no one wanted the eagle
0: or. (laughs) It's hard to get rid of, pretty noticeable. Um, So in exchange for the artwork, the negotiator wanted $2.6 million and immunity for them and others involved. They also included information about the crime known only to the museum and the FBI. Oh, yeah. The museum director and the FBI thought that this was a credible lead. So they reached out to the negotiator. However, they responded saying that they were now fearful of an of a massive investigation and needed time to consider what they were doing. They never heard from the writer again.
1: Oh, they got cold feet. Yeah. Mm.
0: Years later, in 2013, the FBI announced that they reported with, quote, a high degree of confidence that they identified the culprits. They also felt that with the same amount of confidence, the artwork was transported to Connecticut and Philly in the years following the heist. Though they never fully identified who they believed was responsible at this time, in 2015, the FBI also announced that they believed both of the perpetrators were deceased and had been part of the Merlino gang. They believe some of the gang's associates may have learned of the museum's weaknesses after one member cased it in the 80s. However, when the FBI investigated an unrelated art theft that these men were these men were associated with, they learned the group was interested in robbing the Gardner Museum as well. The FBI warned the museum, however, the plan could have already possibly been shared with other members of the gang. Mm-hmm. So, there was like endless information on like gang members and all these different guys that could have been involved, but I didn't want to get too much into that. Cause it was already a lot. A lot of these guys are now deceased. Ultimately though, the FBI believes that a man named David Turner and his friend and fellow associate, George ricefelder That's <laughs> a mouthful. <laughs> could have been the two thieves. Although George died in 1991, his family said that he had a similar painting to the one stolen that night and that he looked and it looked he looked similar to the police sketches.
1: I'm sorry. I need to stop you for a second. (laughs) A gang member named what was his name? (laughs) I know exactly. What What is it it called? Right.
0: Reisfelder. What's his first name? George. George Reisfender. It's R.E.I. S S F E L D E R Sounds there like a speller. Sounds like a nerd. <laughs> and I'm
1: just picturing like a, a like a little Boston apartment with a Rembrandt hanging over the couch. <laughs> it's just, it's just massive. <laughs> like massive. Like like an old couch covered in plastic with TV trays and all the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the goo on the no, on the all. table. <laughs> like they Put didn't even beer in sell there. it like he didn't even sell it he didn't yeah. get the money they just kept they home, wanted yeah.
0: homey just you know, wanted like a really nice classy <laughs>
1: apartment for the ladies home goods is a little expensive nowadays Got so.
0: champagne Let's taste just, you know it's yeah. just steal steal a rembrandt instead. oh my gosh that's great um good for him yeah you know what that was his goal and he yeah. did it he only lived another year but whatever <laughs> go big or go home yeah, yeah um so David Turner was the other guy and some of the other associates were eventually arrested on other charges David was offered less time if he handed over the paintings but he maintained his innocence and was eventually released from prison in November of
1: 2019 where is he I'm adding him on Facebook <laughs> get, him on,
0: get him on LinkedIn <laughs> watch his profile picture like has like a painting it's like the background. background. <laughs> In a more recent turn of events, investigators are now linking an execution style murder to the heist.
1: Oh, okay. As I was saying, there's
0: just levels. <laughs> there's levels. <What's> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This gang is busy. Yes. On a night in February 1991, James Marks was just returning home for the day. Upon opening his front door, a gunman came up behind him and shot and killed him. It was said that James was boasting shortly before his death about stealing some paintings. He also, like, I guess I didn't write this in here, but he only lived, he did not live far. I think it was like 20 miles from the museum Mm. at that point. Um, Although the FBI searched his apartment building, they came up empty-handed. The wife of a former mafia associate of James claimed her husband was the one with him the night of his death and is responsible for his murder. Dun, dun, dun. It's believed that her husband, Robert Guarante, did have possession of some of the artwork at one point. However, Robert had died in 2004 and his wife eventually died in 2018. So So just at a garage sale. (laughs) Watch it be in a storage unit in like like a suburb of Boston. So there's like, that's the thing, like you guys should definitely do your own research because there's so many layers with like the boston like the mafias and the gangs there that like yeah at one point they were like oh it's my dad had like a similar painting over his bed at one point or like there was someone else that said like there was a shed somewhere that had like a concrete thing under it and it recently was flooded and his dad was pissed cuz there was valuables under there and he said it was art and stuff so like there's like so many layers and i just like couldn't include all of that i like, love
1: I, that there's just this gang in boston that really m- valued beautiful artwork
0: <laughs> yeah like they didn't even sell it to anybody else they all just right? kept it they just passed it around like it's your year for this painting yeah i'm gonna yeah. get the
1: next year yeah. like yeah
0: they're just passing it around
1: you get the seascape because yeah. you did a good job <laughs>
0: that's So funny. you you've made that <laughs> like hit, the gal seascape. you just send the gal around <laughs> yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. like, and that's what's crazy too it's like the fbi thinks that like they were just like it was passing around like philly and connecticut for a while but i guess it could have been sold to people in ireland like other yeah. it makes me think members. almost
1: that like it doesn't sound like they were very um like they weren't the brightest bulbs right like it was a they didn't get the most valuable stuff so in their minds they're probably like oh let's steal this artwork and then they had yeah. it they're like wait like kind of like what you said, Rebecca. <laughs> like, how do you sell it
0: now? Like, what right. do you
1: do with it?
0: We're gonna see it on Pawns, Pawn Stars next season. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, my grandpa just like had this, and he passed away. This is a genuine Rembrandt. <laughs> best I could do, or like best, best I could a do, is hanging dollars. So, Lynn, Deputy Police Chief Marco O'Toole, stated that Marx had connections to subjects suspected of being involved in the Gardner Museum heist. We don't know what if any role he had, but very likely it was related to his death. So they think he was involved in some way whether it was had anything to do with like the actual heist or like moving the art around afterwards at some point, like did he have it at one point maybe? Um the museum security director said that Investigators have been pursuing the theory that the crimes were connected for more than a decade. The hope is that by getting this circulated throughout the public more recently, it may generate new solid leads and would lead to what truly happened and who's fully responsible. Officially, James Mark's murder remains unsolved as well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: No one has ever been charged in the heist, and none of the artwork has ever been recovered. There's a $10 million reward being offered for any information that leads to the artwork safe return. I'm Since- going to Boston and hitting <laughs> yeah. up some garage sales. Honestly, I feel like that's where you would find it. Right? us like, do it. It was the 90s. So like it could have been like men in like, you know, their 40s. They said it was like 30s, 40s. Like they could be selling this, sh- this yeah. stuff or, like and the they state said- sale. They're moving down yeah. to Florida. They got they it said a lot of the suspects that they thought could have been involved are are dead now so like they can just be floating around (laughs) yeah um Mm. since Isabella Gardner's will decreed that nothing in her collection should be moved the empty frames for the stolen paintings remain hanging in their respective locations as placeholders for their potential return one day that's kind of cool yeah I was Mm. like
1: that's that's kind of weird to (laughs) me
0: So maybe, i thought um, it was cool i thought it was cause interesting Cause i'm just, more interested in going to this
1: museum now that i know a crime took place there
0: yeah yeah right? i would stand there and just be like wow this piece of wall is fantastic right well now when so, you see an empty frame now you'll know now you know that's going to be the most exciting part of the museum for me is the empty frames i'm here to see the empty frames
1: because <laughs> a crime
0: was committed yeah <laughs> um that's the uh story of the Partner museum nice.
1: I really liked that I enjoyed that yeah. story minus the guy sure. dying that was sad yeah, yeah.
0: there's just like so much like the more I googled the more I was like there's so many different things connected that yeah. fake
1: mustache man I can't He
0: he's made direct eye contact with that fake mustache I was like yeah I'll come around and confront you face to face
1: sure here's my <laughs> license
0: <laughs> you gotta fully commit yeah he was in character I wonder what kind of mustache. Actually, you can actually look up the police um, police sketches. They have them. I was like, I wonder what kind of mustache it was. And then I remember I definitely saw. (laughs) Amazing. That was really good, though. Thank you. Just trying something different. Um, And it's festive. Yeah. Happy Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, Rebecca, don't die in the blizzard tomorrow when you go out drinking. I hope I won't. (laughs)
1: um i have something i would like to discuss before we say our goodbyes
0: okay
1: yeah. slash a little shout out okay. i was talking to our co-worker lil yesterday
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she was telling me how her fiance Fiancé. fiance paul is our number one fan it's not Aww. our mom's it's paul really? Yeah. Oh. and he was saying you guys always say you only have three followers but of fans, and that's all that matters. Oh, so, that's
0: nice. Thank we heart Paul. You. Thank you, Paul. So mm. good. Well, are you ready to go next week, Sarah? No,
1: nope. no, nope. no clue what I'm doing.
0: I have one that I want to do, but
1: I think you'll know it, and then I don't want to do that. But it's very spooky. Oh, I'll think of something. Okay, I would like to go DoorDash something before RuPaul's Drag Race starts.
0: Oh yeah, it's gonna start soon. Yeah, okay. I gotta make my marinated chicken now.
1: I don't like that you marinate chicken you're like 22 years old.
0: I literally just I've marinated it for the first time. I was going to cook before but then we were ready so I'm like, you know what? Let's let this marinate. Yeah, soak it in. I'm going to go drown in my shower. <laughs>
1: it's been nice knowing you. Yeah. As long as you I hope you enjoyed cry. my
0: last podcast episode.
1: <laughs> well, I got to go. Bye. Ooh.
0: Bye. Ooh, bye. 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 Okay, Resources for this episode include GardnerMuseum.org, Wikipedia.com, ArtNews.com, and the Boston Globe. Death Chair Detective.